0: Welcome to 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Kreisman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking some Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show. Pitchers and catchers reporting more or less as we speak, or or as I speak, I suppose as, as you're listening to this, most of them hopefully will have reported, but... Not a whole lot, obviously, going on in the world of the Colorado Rockies right now, but a handful of things. So this will be a short episode, but wanted to get us all up to date on the little bits of news that have come about since the last time I podcast. And hopefully the next time I podcast, there will be actual baseball things going on. But of course, Bud Black has signed a bit of an extension. We know Kyle Freeland will, in fact, be pitching in the World Baseball Classic when it looked like he wasn't going to be there for a little while. I was about to say he joins Armand Marquez, but obviously not not really because they will be pitching for different teams on account of they are from different countries. But there will be two Colorado Rockies representatives uh, from the starting pitching standpoint in the World Baseball Classic. I'll talk a little bit about that. And then Randall Gritchik, it sounds like, will not be available to go for the beginning of the season, and so I'll get into what's going on with that, and what should be the the fallout. And there's actually quite a few interesting kind of dominoes that fall from that. But let's start with the Bud Black stuff. As most of you know, this was something I was always going to be a fan of, not just because, uh, look, let, let's start with the obvious. A lot of people, uh, myself included, in the media, around the media, even a lot of fans, really like Bud Black because he's a very likable guy. He's a very easy person to like. And part of that is because he treats everybody with respect. Like it's it's not a nothing thing, right? There's There are people who are likable because they make jokes and they make people feel good and they're funny and they do this, that, or the other. And you're like, sure, everybody likes so-and-so, right? But and I think I've told this story before, but very briefly, to get a sense of why just about everybody who's met the man speaks so glowingly of him, I introduced him one time, one time to my mother at spring training on the backfields. We were sitting back there watching some baseball. He wandered back also to watch a little bit of baseball. And, hey, Drew, how you doing? Hey, buddy, how, how's it going? You know, oh, by the way, this is my mom. This is Barbara. Uh, they they talk a little bit, maybe 10 minutes. Actually, he's very gracious with his time. He's back there to scout his ballplayers, but she happened to be a big Kansas City Royals fan. So they, they, a little bit of talk because she's a Kansas City gal. He's a Kansas City guy, at least in, in certain ways. He, he, he had some of the best days of his career there, right? So brief conversation once years ago, and still every once in a while, he will ask, hey, Drew, how's Barbara doing? How's your mom? How's everything going there? He remembers her name. They've met the one time, right, years later, sometimes after having not thought about it or mentioned it, right? That's just, he, he takes the time. He's very present. He's there with you, right? When you're having a conversation, he's not somewhere else in his head. And there's a lot of that that goes into him being a good manager. He's present with his players. The players love him. They know that when they talk to him about whatever they're going through, that he's listening, that he's hearing them out, that they're getting a fair shake, right? Right even if they end up feeling like they disagree. And so, yes, there's a lot of, maybe Bud Black would get a little bit more criticism for the X's and O's. It's not football. We don't do that. For for the lineup cards and for the decisions on who to take in and out and for how his offense is over the years. And and that's an interesting conversation to be had. I'm actually working on an article right now that breaks down some of the numbers because... You know, I don't know to what extent a manager has power over how well the lineup performs. There are only so many things that a Major League Baseball manager can do, right? And he would tell you, and he's told me on occasion that the biggest thing really is managing the personalities, managing the people, making sure. Because on any given day, you know, the lineup, you kind of set that at the beginning of the year. And and a lot of that really does take care of itself. You know who your middle of the order guys are. And honestly, messing around with all of that stuff is only going to squeeze so many more runs out of the lineup the fact is you need good hitters to score that's that's how you score and it's kind of the same thing with the pitching even arguably i I would say in game most important thing that a manager does is decide when to take out the starting pitcher and go to the bullpen and then from there on out how well does he manage the bullpen and those tend to be the decisions that we second guess more often than not right which can be frustrating too because we don't always have all the information we don't always know you know, say, hey, why didn't he hand the ball to so-and-so? He may not have been available, and we didn't know that. Lots that goes on there. And again, ultimately, it comes down to the quality of the players, right? So a lot of managing a baseball team really is 162 games a year, half of those out on the road. You're around these guys all the time. You got to make sure dudes aren't miserable, right? A lot of it is that. Just lessen the grind of the season. And Bud Black is very good at that. But then there is, of course, the other thing that I often talk about that is the most important plus side that you get with Bud Black, which is that he does seem to be the Coors Field pitcher whisperer. I'll say as a caveat up front here that it is always entirely possible that some new genius out there, maybe some young guy, could also figure this out and figure it out even better. When you compare Bud Black to the history of the Colorado Rockies, especially when it comes to starting pitching, of course, you're not setting the bar especially high, but there also has to be recognition that it's not just the case that every single guy who comes here and tries to pitch isn't any good, right? That's awfully simplistic. And when you dive into certain league and park-adjusted statistics, you find that there are plenty of guys who have come here and managed to carve out a certain amount of success, whether you're talking about Aaron Cook or De La Rosa, short. Period. well, four or five years, but of of Ubaldo Jimenez, right? Then you have these other guys who have individual seasons that are really, really good. Tyler Chatwood, John Gray had a couple in there, but then, you know, ups and downs. But when you look at what the pitchers, the starting pitchers in particular, under Bud Black have accomplished, it's comfortably better than the rest of Rocky's history, right? And he's done it. With young, unproven players, there haven't been guys during his tenure that have come in from outside the organization. You know, Marquez and Gomber both got here as young guys, and we're still kind of writing the the early chapters on Gomber's major league career, right? But Kyle Freeland, John Gray, Antonio Senzatella all came up through the organization, right? Marquez was traded for as a minor leaguer and made his major league debut with the Colorado Rockies. And so Bud Black is the only manager he's ever had. And with these guys and a few others, some Chad Bettis, Tyler Chatwood back in the day, there have been others, but he has been able to manage these guys through the most difficult pitching environment in baseball. With no resume, no confidence that they can succeed elsewhere, right? No proven record of success, and took them with them as the core. And I know love people love to give credit to Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story, Charlie Blackman, DJ LeMahieu, and they should because those guys were great and they deserve credit because without them, the Rockies don't get there either. But the Rockies had those guys before 2017, and they had them for a year after 2017. Don't forget that. 2019, they had the offensive talent that was just as good or not good, depending on which numbers you look at, as they did in 17 and 18. The difference was these pitchers. You got to pitch to win. If you want to win, you got to pitch. Simple as that. And Bud Black is the only guy so far who's proven that not only can he get pretty consistently solid results. Honestly, last year was the first really disappointing year for starting pitching under Bud Black. Soon as he took over from 17, 18, 19, 20, and 21, in all of those years, the starting pitching was the best element of the team. Even when Nolan was here, If you look at the, again, the park adjusted statistics, and I'll print all this stuff out. You can go over to MileHighSports.com here very soon and and read the specific numbers about it. But the fact of the matter is, those were the guys who were making the team successful. And the bullpens were good in 17 and 18, and that's why they went to the postseason. Once the bullpens fall apart, team stops winning games, team stops winning games, superstar gets mad, superstar demands trade, offense falls apart, offense falls apart. Can't win any games in 2021, despite being very, very entertaining at home and having this good starting pitching still working out. They think maybe we can roll this thing forward because our starting pitching is still good and it always has been under Bud Black. And then 2022 hits and the starting pitching was just bad. Worst year on record for Herman Marquez, one of the worst records for Kyle Freeland, obviously a, a truly terrible and down year for Austin Gomber, a bad year and an injured year for for Antonio Senzatello. But all of those guys also have experienced the best of their professional selves with Bud Black. So whether you're talking about this group or you're preparing for the next group, whether that's an internal, you know, I don't know, Carl Kaufman, Peter Lambert, Ryan and it's then at the top, and we all know that. Or if You go through this season, and Marquez continues to struggle. He pitches at league average or below. You know, Freeland stalls out as well at league average or below, or or maybe just above, but, you know, nothing, not really much of a producer there. If Gomber again stalls out, if Senzatella appears to stall out, I think, just reading the tea leaves, that's when the Rockies might actually go and start looking around at free agency and trades, and either way, whether it's with this group, an internal new group, or an external new group, either of those three scenarios, you're going to want Bud Black to be here to help guide you through those changes. The question is whether or not you know, you think he can be the guy once this team starts to turn around a little bit to take him to the next step, right? But, look, the Rockies, and, and, and I understand, you know, fandom is a, a funny thing, and you, you want your team to try to win the World Series every year, and and I get that. The Rockies aren't going to win the World Series this year. They're not. They're almost certainly not going to make the postseason this year. What they can do is start to turn things around, find the guys that are going to be central pieces of their future, and really start to lock in what their identity is going to be, right? Now, so so worrying about, you know, Bud Black's not going to be able to squeeze the absolute most out of the offense not really important. You have to start with the starters, with the pitchers on the hill. You start there. Once you get that together, you can start worrying about squeezing the most out of your offense, you know, getting a bullpen together, defense, base running, all those other things. And if you get to the point where in 2 or 3 years you've rebuilt your rotation so that you can be competitive. And I I just firmly believe that the only way to do that is with Bud Black captaining your ship for the next rotation to get into place. But if you decide at that point, hey, we've got a competitive rotation, but Bud Black's shortcomings on maybe advanced metric stuff or the offense, whatever your legitimate criticisms may be, and I do think there are some out there, you know, then you can address that and say, all right, might there be somebody else who can take us that next step from a managerial standpoint? And I honestly think Bud Black is somebody who the Rockies should try to, and I know people don't like this particular element of the team. And there are definitely pros and cons to their kind of lifetime loyalty, you know, when they've done it with GMs, this, that, or the other, but I really do think that they should try to keep Bud Black around for as long as possible. And even if he's not the right guy to continue to be the on-field manager as they move into the next era and the next generation of players, I do think that he's still going to be an incredibly valuable voice in the front office. Because not only is he very, very smart, like I said, he's easy to get along with, which is really important in these baseball situations. He knows the unique challenges of Coors Field And you do just always need that guy around to be able to whisper to the pitchers and get the most out of them. And so, yeah, I I think obviously, you know, this isn't even a a super long-term thing. I think the fact that he's extended through 2024 also gives a little bit of credence to that idea that at the very least, the Rockies would like him to oversee a transition. Now, that transition may actually be that, they roll forward with a rotation that looks a lot like the one they have right now. If Marquez really bounces back strong, Freeland looks great. Gomber comes in hot. Sensatella comes in hot off of his injury. Maybe one of the rookies, Rollison or somebody like hits and, and, and he keeps it going and that's your group moving forward. Great. And then the fact that he turned them around is just even more evidence in his favor that, yeah, he's the guy that knows how to talk to the pitchers in 2022 was the outlier, right? But if not, then it's about overseeing the other transitions. All right, a lot of that was, I see here the second note to talk about was Freeland Marquez, but I think I just covered a lot of that talking about Bob Black and the pitching, right? Great to see them in the World Baseball Classic, uh you know really hope that it ends up being good for them more work for them more work on a competitive stage uh you know this this for me is always one of those good things the ball players will all tell you there's no such thing as you know you can do all the bp in the world all the batting practices there's no simulation for actual live games and spring training is even isn't quite that, right? Guys are coming out in the middle of games. Guys are going 70, 80, 90%. Guys are working on stuff. It's not a real game that you're really necessarily trying to win, right? But the World Baseball Classic is. Guys care about that. They want to win those games. So it's competitive. And Your competitive juices get going. And Freeland and Marquez need that. Like they need as many of those extra reps right now as possible because they have got to get themselves back in a form. I've said it many times before. I'll say it again right now. They're the two most important players toward turning this team around if they are going to do it with what they've got. And if they're not, then it's going to be time for an entirely new era of Rockies baseball here. So keep a close eye on those guys if you plan on tuning into the World Baseball Classic, which I assumed you were going to do anyway. And then, of course, the last little bit of news that we have here is Randall Gritchik. He will miss the start of the season with a sports hernia. And I'm going to pose this question. I don't have an answer to it. My mother posed the question to me. I didn't have an answer to it. And she said, what's the difference between a sports hernia and a hernia? I do not know. So if someone knows and it's not incredibly graphic, feel free to reach out and let me know. But yeah, so obviously rough news for Randall Gritchick. It's always a horrible, horrible thing to say. You know, silver lining is like, look, you, you want guys to be healthy. Randall Gritchick is awesome. He's got awesome glasses. He's got awesome high socks. Uh, you know, you know, and I, I think he's honestly uh, a better potential ball player and fit for the Rockies than he was last year, too. Kind of a weird season. Ultimately, not too far off from his career numbers. But, you know, I, I think he can be a little bit better out there. But ultimately, as I've said many times, this has to be a year about finding out what these young players have. And even if the Rockies go the single most boring route that they possibly could in terms of center field with Randall Grichik out, if, if he was maybe going to factor in there, presumably or in right, is Jonathan Daza, right? And I've talked about before, I, I don't like the hating on Jonathan Daza. He's a perfectly serviceable player. He's a good contact hitter. He's a great base runner, good defender. You know, obviously no power there, and so he, he's sort of limited in his overall production. But it's a good ball player, as Jonathan does. But, you know, guys like Brenton Doyle, really interesting. He hasn't proven that he can hit at the higher levels yet. Uh, you can listen to a podcast I did with him last year. If you search for Brenton Doyle here in the 20th and Blake podcast, I'm sure it'll come up. A great defender, can do some really interesting things. In center field, and I love to see him out there just to to get a look at him. And you never know when a guy's bat is you know ready to pop, and it, it could be the case with Brenton Doyle. A lot of people, of course, I've often talked about Zach Veen as a possibility. I think that's really a long shot. I, I've tried to make it clear from the very beginning that like, look, that that's one of those things that. Only because they've been slightly more aggressive lately, guys like Ezekiel Tovar, and because he did so well at the Arizona Fall League. Because he wasn't great in the second half last year, but it was such a quick jump up to double A. And the Rockies have shown that with certain guys, they are willing to be aggressive. They tried to do this with both David Dahl and Brendan Rogers throughout the minors, but those guys kept getting hurt. So they couldn't really be rushed. But Zach Veen is clearly on the fast track. I don't think he's going to be on the opening day roster. Uh, uh, you know, if he comes out in spring training and he's just launching off a of major leaguers and something, you, you, you've got to keep that door possibly open. But again, that is, uh, I think in the 99th percentile or the one percentile, whichever way, <laughs> whichever way that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> overall, I think you're looking at Veen in the second half of the year and that's, that's fine, right? That's good. And and what that should do is open up room for guys like Doyle, Sean Bouchard, more of a corner guy, probably not so much in center, but he should get some run in right, especially if he's looking good in spring training. You've got, obviously, Chris Bryant locked in over there in left field. So the question here is what goes on in center and right. If it's Jonathan Daza in center, fine. Not especially exciting, but fine. I think that basically means, though, that Sean Bouchard or and this is my editorializing hopefully Michael Tolia is out there in right field now. I know the Rockies were maybe leaning that way anyway toward Tolia as the everyday right fielder. Look, I think Charlie Blackman he finished out last season as a DH. I think he made peace with it after a while. I think the team made it clear that it was just time, right? He obviously hasn't gotten younger since then, and while I expect to see Charlie Blackman starting in right field on opening day, at Coors Field anyway, I think he's going to DH 90-plus percent of the time that he's in the lineup. So I think right field is kind of an open question right now. And Bouchard had a really good finish to the season and is an interesting candidate there as well. But Tolia is the The big tools package guy, right? The switch hitter who's 6'5", big, elite level defense, potentially in right, almost certainly at first base, and big, big power. Big, big strikeouts come with big, big power, and you want to find out, right? You want to know, can he be closer to that... Joey Gallo, when he was at his best type, or hopefully even better than that, with not quite such a low batting average, if you care about batting average anymore. Hard to tell which stats matter to which people these days. But the general idea of Michael Tolia is very exciting, and I would like to see him be the biggest benefactor, if you will, of the Randall Gritchick injury. Because I think... I think they were going to carry him on the opening day roster. And I think the way that they played him at the end of the season showed that they're very, very interested in what this guy can do. But it could have seen them going, well, you know, let's start with Gritchik and right, you know, he's the veteran guy or you know, paying him or whatever it is, have the young guys essentially be all on the bench. So you'd have, you know, Tolia, Bouchard, Montero, uh, maybe Alan Trejo and your backup catcher. And that's your, your bench, right? Brian Servin probably. And so I could see that like that's that's what I think at least the old Rockies would have done, right? These guys i was I was hoping that they were leaning toward starting Tolia and figuring out as many ways they can to get Montero into the lineup as well. But with Gretch going out, it's almost like, okay, now you have to. And again, you gotta play some spring training games here. Spring training can only sway these things so much one way or the other, but when you are talking about a guy taking over as a regular starter at the beginning of a season when he's never had that job, whether it's Tolia in right or Sean Bouchard out there somewhere, if you did run with Montero somewhere, right, those guys have never been regular starters to, to begin a season, and so you do want to have kind of a heightened focus. You don't want to have them, for example, go O oh, for spring training and then be like, all right, well, you're the everyday starting right fielder because your minor league profile suggests you should be, Michael Tolia. Right? No, if Bouchard is on fire and Tolia's struggling a little bit, you do start him on the bench. Or maybe you send him to AAA to get everyday at bats until he's really in a rhythm and then you bring him up. Like you can still do that with some of these guys that we're all very excited about. And I can already see, you know, a couple of weeks from now, one of these players, the Rockies deciding, hey, we don't have a starting spot for you and putting you on the bench isn't really the best thing for you either. So we're going to send you to AAA to give you a regular at-bats and people going, oh, my God, they're burying so-and-so, right? Montero, I could see this happening to Tolia, Bouchard. I hope it doesn't happen to any of them. I really hope that all those guys are just there and they figure out from day one a plan to get them into the lineup as often as possible. Because all those guys need to play because that's what the season is about. It's <laughs> really what this season is about, is those names. And I'm going to be doing a series of articles on the new young faces of the Rockies that should be the absolute focus of attention throughout the season. I'm gonna be doing that at Milehighsports.com over the next couple of days and weeks, as well as my breakdown of the Rockies position by position, or really unit by unit. Did the infield already up there? You can go and check that out at Milehighsports.com. Working right now on the starting pitching, which is going to be followed by the outfield. A little going back and forth offense, defense, well offense pitching, you get it. So going to profile all those spots and then like i said along with that talking about a lot of these young players who are going to be the focus of the season and of course you know there's going to be plenty of other stuff to talk about throughout the year and hopefully they give us some news good news but news whatever just do some stuff that would be fun uh i i hope they're not done with the roster entirely that's one last thing i'll say here Is I could see them, they usually do during spring training, still add one or two more last minute guys. This would be a good year, I think, to pick up three or four of those types of players, especially again in the bullpen, stuff like that. We'll talk more in depth about the pen in an upcoming podcast and certainly in article form. So thank you all for continuing to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creason in here. And until next time, I will see you at the bullpen.